All right, so would you pray with me? Um, Father, we just soften our hearts before you as we remember Dave and Adrian and Clayton and Bentley and the joys and struggles that they're facing in Burundi, Lord. Um, I pray that you would be with Dave and give him wisdom and loving care for his patients, that when he doesn't know what to do, when he doesn't know what else can be done for his patients that are suffering, Lord, that he would just be there with them, that he would share your love with them, Lord. Mm -hmm. That if he doesn't have the right tools, the right medicines, the right, um, all of the knowledge that he needs, that you would, he would use your knowledge and your wisdom and your love to heal his patients' hearts. Father, I pray that you would be with Adrian as she watches her little boys and cares for them and um, watches them grow up before her eyes and that she would be able to reach um, the nurses, uh, the nursing students and the medical students that come by for dinner, the all of the other uh, missionaries that are there from around the state, that they would be able to complete your will, that they'd be able to work for you, that they would be able to be lights in a dark place, Lord, that they wouldn't feel burnt out and they wouldn't feel like their efforts were in waste or in vain, but that they would be able to take to heart the little accomplishments and victories, the little things that they have with with their neighbors, Lord. Um, I pray for the organizations that they're working with, the, um, the one specifically the ones that Adrian wrote about this last week with widow working with the widows in the community, that they would be able to find their strength in you, Lord, and that they would be able to work for you in that community, that they would be given the resources they need to succeed, that they would be given shelter, that they would be given friendships and relationships, Lord. Um, I ask that you would bless and keep them safe during the final couple weeks of their trip, that they would have time to reflect and worship you for what you're doing there while they're still there, Lord, and not that they would realize these things once they come home, but that they would be able to live in the moment that you've given them and that you've blessed them with. Um, pray that you would bring them back to us safely and give them a greater heart for your people all around the world and that you'd give us a heart for your people all around the world. Yes, Lord. Not just in this community, but all of yes, your Lord. people. Pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, bro. Thanks, man. <coughs> all right, guys. Um, so what we're going to do is, uh, before we jump right into Genesis, you guys can grab your Bibles. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll... Um, hook you up with some Bibles. We're going to be looking at uh, Genesis chapter 2. Uh, we stopped last week around the verse uh, 4 range because um, when you look in your Bibles, uh, they have Genesis, um, we, they have verse 4 being in uh, Genesis 2. I would propose, and I think this is probably normal scholarship, would say that actually the chapters ended um, probably at verse 4. I'm sorry, at verse 3. And then uh, chapter 2 was uh, probably the beginning of verse 1. Um, so, so that's how we did that. Um, real quick, a couple of things I want to clear up um, before we jump right into the Word and begin to enjoy the Lord together. Uh, there was two, um, and again, if you are new here, you can ask questions. Uh, that's what we do. We just ask you to be thinking, okay, is this going to bless the whole body? Uh, and there were a couple of responses from last week that would bless the whole body, so I want to bring them up. One in particular, uh, one was, if I can remember correctly, uh, one, one, one buddy of mine said, hey, you were talking about uh, the equality of, of women and how women do not have to fight for equality because God has already made them equal, which is totally true. But he made a really good point um, that what the perception is is that I was actually saying that women don't have to fight for equality. That, that wasn't what I was saying, but I can totally see how it came off like that. So let me, re, let me rephrase that a little bit. Uh, my point was, was not that it's like saying, you know, African-Americans, you know, that we don't have to fight for um, equality. I mean, there's opportunities where, we, where there's injustice for women, and, and then we need to step up and make sure um, that they're treated justly. Uh, my, my, my point in saying that was not that, um, that, <clears throat> that women aren't treated unjustly many times in our day and age, but that uh, it was more of an issue of that women don't have to walk around with a chip on their shoulder. 
Okay, you don't have to walk around and have to prove that you're equal because God has already said you're equal. It reminds me when I was in seminary, it was a big thing, you know, it was a whole egalitarian, complementary thing, you know, like, and so I remember I, I, was, I was telling my boys, you know, I was, you know, literally there was a time I was eating, you know, eating food in the, in, in the, in the hall, and, you know, a lady walked up to me and stepped to me and was like, so you don't think women should be pastors, you know? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> really? Like, you know, and, she, you know, she wanted to go through this whole thing, and it was like, so it was more of that sense of the chip on the shoulder, you know what I'm saying? So that you don't, we don't have to do that as people because God has already said that you're equal. He's already said you have dignity, worth, and value, and purpose, so we don't have to go around proving that to people. So really good point to be made, and we definitely need to make sure that we're not saying we don't have to fight for equality. The other issue was in chapter, uh, when he says, in chapter 1, blue, 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 blue. when he says in verse 28, um, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Um, uh, so, so what we do a lot of times is you have, you have, you have interpretation and then you have application, right, and you have, you have implication, Okay, you don't hear implication a lot, but what we do a lot of times in the scriptures, we have implications, implied meanings. Uh, what implications look like are those things where, like, if you were to sit with Moses or if you were to sit with Paul, and this is to deal with Moses since we're dealing with this text here, and you were to say, Moses, so are you, are you also saying that be fruitful and multiply is not just fruitfulness as in childbearing, um, you know, and, and, having, and having these image bearers, but you're talking about spiritual fruitfulness too, right? He would probably say, oh, yeah. Right, I would propose to you his his interpretation, the interpretation, and uh, and the, the clear application is he's talking bearing children and producing image bearers. But I'm guarantee you he wouldn't say no, no, not spiritually. Like he wouldn't do that. He would go, oh, that could be an implied meaning too. Does that make sense? Right. So there's implied meanings as well uh, when you have an interpretation. But make sure you know the difference between implied meanings. We're going to get to some of those today too and clear interpretations. I was going to make sure, I'm going to say, make sure we're on the same page. So I would say interpreting the text, historically, when he said that, he was talking about be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. Make a lot of people who love me, who proclaim me, who model me, um, and take over the world, basically, right? And if we were to say, you were talking spiritual fruitfulness too, he would go, yep, that too. Cool? All right, so. Um, now we're going to jump right into uh, some good stuff here, guys. I mean, we got a lot of, a lot of good stuff in, in Genesis 2, because this, this, this is a time where we're in this perfect uh, world. And this is, we can even recap right quick. Um, here's here's our, our Lord, our King. He's created all things. Remember, we always talk about how he's created things out of abundance of love, right? There's not there's something that he needed to do. It wasn't that he was kind of lonely. But because of, of the abundance of love he creates, and it was so beautiful about creation, is what he's showing us is as he's creating, he, he creates out of nothing, and then he prepares. He begins to make things right and gets things ready for his prize creation, uh, which is us, right, humans. All right, We are made in the Imago Dei. We are made in the image of God, unlike um, anything else in all of creation. And we're going to look at that a little bit, how, how special the Lord has made us. Um, while at the same time, how insignificant we are as well. And so, so God, God prepares this place. He, he provides all this stuff, everything you think of that's created. And now when you think of creation, we think of things that we can actually touch a lot of times. But you've got to think of creation as in everything that is. Okay, and that's why, we, that's why I was trying to get you guys into the abstract thinking last, the last time we were talking, the sense of like beauty. You know, and, and, and culture and art and all these things he's created for us to actually be able to delight on this earth. And that's the beautiful thing. When you think of all the things that we like, uh, all the things that, that we enjoy, even like, you know, our favorite songs, you know, um, all those things God has provided for us. And so just to be, we're starting out Genesis by seeing a great God um, who's, who's, who has all power, who's everywhere, knows everything, can do anything, and then he creates all this stuff so that he can be exalted first and foremost. But the way he's exalted is when we're enjoying his creation well. Is when we're stewarding his creation well. Remember, we talked about that. So now he creates all this stuff for us, and then he says, now here's what I want you to go do. I want you to take all this stuff, and I want you to use it like I would use it. That's stewardship. Is when we do things like God would do. Right? Now, we were doing it before the fall out of obedience. Right? 
We were, do, we, were, we were being stewards. We were being stewards of creation. God has told us to be stewards of creation. So we're like taking care of creation and we're modeling God. We're imaging God. We're reflecting God to himself as we are taking care of his stuff. And then, uh, and then what we're going to see um, next week, the fall happens. I wanted to fast forward so we can get a little taste. The fall happens and, what, and it changes in some sense because we are still stewarding the earth uh, out of obedience, but also we're stewarding earth out of mission now. You see that? So we're stewarding the earth out of obedience. We're being obedient because we want to reflect God. But, we, but before we were reflecting God because he, he loves to enjoy himself. Now we're reflecting God because he wants to enjoy himself. Also, we're reflecting God because of a fallen world. So we're trying to reflect God to a world that doesn't understand who God is so they can understand God and come to him. So now we have like a dual role. Now here, so here's our job. We talked about job description last week. So that, so that's what we're that's what we're fast forwarding to right now, uh, where we're toward the we're at the end of him creating all things. We looked at uh, the days of creation, and now we're entering into this part in verse four. Again, if there are any questions, let me know, and I'll try to as much as I can to answer them. If not, we'll try and get you some good information. Um, it says, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. So we're all on the same page right now, guys. We've got a good Lord. We're entering in Genesis. We're about to look at, you know, men and women being created. We've got naked men, naked women. This is crazy, right? We're, it's going to be awesome. This is before the fall now. Praise the Lord. All right? So this is the account of the heavens and the earth uh, when they were created. Again, uh, He's sort of, this is cool because what, what, what I propose he's doing now is Moses has given us this big, this big picture. He's just sort of cast vision, very strategic in helping us understand all that what God has done. And now he focuses in on specifically humans, right? And, and now I want to propose that, again, when we, when we focus on like this whole scientific creation stuff, we're really missing a picture. I just think this is unbelievable because think of what God does. He makes it really big. I created everything. Then I created things for a prize possession. Now let's look specifically me creating this prize possession. Now let's look at their story. That's Genesis, right? That's, and so now we see he begins to continually, he begins to focus the angle. Now he begins to focus on a family. Then he begins to focus on this journey of what these people do and how they bring honor to his name. And then basically, that's basically the meta narrative. That's the narrative of scripture. It's him can't bringing things, scope, making a sharp scope to this focus of people, right? So, so he says, um, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, verse 5, and no shrub of the field had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no man to work the ground. Um, but streams came. You know what I'm going to do, E2? Guys, if you can excuse me, just because I have this one video I'm going to show you guys. If I get to the video, just give me grace and like, help me out there. I don't know where I'm at here. So, um, uh, but it says, but uh, so the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no man to work the ground. But streams, verse six, came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Isn't that cool? So you know, in, in, in perfection, you had um, you had this underground irrigation system, right? Um, now some people believe that this is like this is uh, because it's before the fall that <clears throat> there is no shrubs or there is no weeds or anything because because the fall hadn't occurred yet um i'm not i don't i don't i don't, def, I don't necessarily buy that um uh because i think tour as we continue to read we're going to it's going to actually say why um there was nothing on the, gr- on the ground or no shrubs uh but some people just to let you know some of the different thoughts out there uh it says the lord god formed verse seven uh, the lord god formed the man from uh, the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life so let me just um, pause here. So what's the point of verse 4 and 6? It's just basically trying to paint this beautiful picture of, like, perfect creation, right? So this is how things were before any, any sin. We got the Lord. He's made all this stuff. He's made plants. Um, you, had, you had the waters, you know, basically allowing things to grow up. See, like, this is, and we're going to see in a moment, there's even poetry throughout, the, throughout uh, Genesis 2. He's trying to help us have a picture. So when you're looking at it, he wants you not just to look at it with just in a sense of, like, uh, cerebral, just, just information. He wants you to begin to try to, like, engage, like, the artistic side. See this. See how beautiful everything is. Like, just actually see, like, wow, there's this total peace, you know, the stuff that the Lord has made to grow, it's growing. There's water feeding things. 
uh, think grass is beautiful. It's a beautiful picture of creation. He goes on and says, um, <clears throat> then he focuses in on us. He says, verse 7. Let me turn to verse 7 real quick. So sin has not caused creation to rebel. Again, we talked about that last week. We talked a lot about, um, we were talking about hurricanes and things of that sort. You don't see none of that stuff. You don't see chaos, right? Because there's no chaos because creation isn't rebelling because sin hasn't entered the picture. So things are perfect. If we go to verse, uh, verse 7, it says, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed in his, into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Okay? Now, what this is here is a beautiful picture of what they call uh, anthropomorphism. You've probably heard, you've probably heard us talk about that before, um, right? That's when you give something that is not human, human characteristics, okay? And so uh, but this is a beautiful picture of why he does this, uh, because everything else, notice how does, he, how does God make everything else, family? Hmm? He speaks. Right? Good. Okay, so, so God speaks. Okay, so we, we, we've confirmed a living God gives life, so God speaks. But if you notice here, um, what's interesting is he doesn't just speak when he makes a man. You notice that? It's this beautiful, intimate picture that God gives us of him just really rolling up his sleeves and, and creating us. In fact, it gives you a couple of different things here. First, it talks about... Uh, him, it says he formed us out of, out of the ground. So forming is the sense of hands, right? Of hands forming a creation. Well, God doesn't have hands because he's just himself. But just imagine, he's saying, I took personal, personal focus to create this particular being. All this other stuff, I said, trees be tree. You know, sun be a sun. But this particular creation, I'm going to create with my hands, And the point there is for us to have to wrestle with the fact that, man, God has given me personal attention, that God sees me as beautiful. The reason why every week, for the last two or three weeks, we've been focusing in on this because we can act like we believe this, but then we denigrate our bodies and we show ourselves that we don't think we're beautiful in God's sight. And if if the whole year we didn't learn anything else, but you were convinced that I am adored by God, that God loves me, pays attention to me, is intimately involved in my life. While he's taking in control of all things, he's intimately involved in my life. Then when you've got to go to Tennessee and work, you can go, okay, Lord, I know you're here. I know you know what's going on. I know you're on the throne, and I know you love me, and I know that you're good. That's why he takes time to say, hey, this is how I made man. The personal nature of God toward man. He forms man. He breathes life into man. So what else do we see in scriptures that when it talks about him breathing life? You I mean, think about it. There's not many things, right? Um, I think we see in, in Hebrews, he breathes life into the scriptures. Right? So here's God. When I think of as I, as I read the scriptures, he breathes life into man, and he breathes life into his word. Wow. Wow. That excites me. Praise the Lord. So personal, this personal nature of God with him creating us is the picture here. He continues on and says in verse 8, it says, Now the Lord God had planted um, a garden in, in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man uh, he had formed. I love that. So he, he creates this, this garden and he puts this guy there, here, this is, this, is, this is your place. And look what it says here. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. He, he, he makes these trees grow up. Here's Adam in his garden. Are you picturing this with me? I want you to be picturing this now. We have a quick daydreaming thing about the Super Bowl. Picture this with me. All right? All right? You have to see those later. Look, right now we're working. We're working, all right? Picture the garden with me. Picture trees growing up out of the ground, big old, you know, you ever seen, like, you know when you're really hungry, a big old, this awesome apple, you know, it's it's crunchy and stuff, you know. You don't like them soggy ones, but them nice crunchy ones. It's all over the place. Food good to eat. He says the trees are good to see. I mean, why do you think he uses that that vernacular? Why do you think he uses that imagery there? Makes all kind of trees grow out of the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye. 
Why is he saying that? He wants you to have a picture. Understand, you're looking, you're going, man, this is beautiful. This is a beautiful place. Look what God has created. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and they were good for food. There were berries and, and fruit and things they were just eating. Had everything you needed. But look at that. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All right? Dun, 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 dun. All right. So, tree of life, family. Um, we have the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We have the tree of life. Now, let me just talk about the tree of life a little bit. Uh, some individuals would say that the tree of life was there. The reason why Adam um, wouldn't have died then is because, or the reason why he was just hanging out is because he kept eating from the tree of life. I actually do not believe that. I don't think that's biblical. Uh, pretty, I'm pretty confident it's not biblical because I would propose uh, one of the main reasons he kicked him out of the garden was so that he wouldn't eat from the tree of life and be in his fallen state forever. Uh, and that's why I propose that at the end, if you look in Revelation 21 and 22, you see what appears again? In what state is man? In a glorified state, right? So now in our glorified state, we can eat from the tree of life and we can live forever. Okay? So I propose that so you have the tree of life. Um, you can eat from the tree of life and you will have eternity and you will not be eternal. Now, this is not, so I, sometimes we talk about like our time with the Lord as if he's eternal, we'll be eternal with him, and we'll all just hang out for eternity. Uh, it seems that the scriptures are teaching that the, sp- the time-space continuum will not end in new creation, okay? There will still be time, and we'll be a part of it. God is the only being who is not, he's like transcended from time. So time is here, that's all we know, and he's over here going, wow, look at that, look at time, I created time. You follow me? So God, because he's who he is, he can step in time and be like, la, 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 what time is it? Or he can go out here and go, I don't even care because I've made time. And he can look at it. It's right there. I don't even know watch. You know what I'm saying? I'm God. Right? So, 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 so just that, you know, just, just in subtle ways, we can like make ourselves on par with God, right? We can all be eternal. Praise the Lord. No, you won't. He's only eternal, right? We get to, we get to experience God for eternity, but he is eternal. Okay, big difference because the created creator always want, he always wants that distinction. You created, I'm the creator. That's the beauty, beauty of worship. But then that's our issue with the fall and pride, and we're gonna get to that in a moment. Um, so we have the tree of life. That's what's going on. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. How do you explain this? So <clears throat> make sure. Um, what does it mean? And it just you know you know I always use <laughs> stuff. I don't pursuing stuff and info apart. Um, or, of, or from God. Um, it seems like in a nutshell, with the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and there's all kinds of debates of exactly what, what is it. Uh, the whole point is that when you eat, if you eat this tree, what happened to man is that um, they, begin to, they can now understand and have access to, this, to knowledge of everything. I propose, and I would propose actually they would think they know everything. You get that? <laughs> That all of a sudden you eat this tree and now I'm, I got this. So now, now don't miss this. So we would want human independence, right? That's what, that's what happens. You eat from this tree and all of a sudden you have human independence. Well, you go, well, Eric, well, God, you say he created us and even before the fall with intelligent volition. What's going on here? Aren't we independent then? Uh, well, there's a difference. Now, no, no, don't miss this. Original intent was independent volition, not independent lives. You got me? God wants us always to have in, independent volition, which means that I choose to say, Lord, I can worship this tree and all the good fruits you've made, but instead of worshiping those or worshiping that or the animals, I'm going to choose to worship you because you're my king. That's, that's, right, that's independent volition, where we choose constantly to worship our king for who he is and what he does. All right, independent lives is saying, I'm over here, I do my own thing, and also I can choose to worship you. You see, see God has always wanted us to be in community with him. We were supposed to have independent volition in community with God. But what happened when the fall occurred is that we experienced independent lives where I have the knowledge of good and evil. I know everything now, right? And we know where that gets us. That gets us death, okay? So I don't want to take um, the fire of, of, of Genesis 3, so I'm going to try to um, hold off a little bit. Let me show you. Uh-oh. How do you pause that? Hey, man. No, I was kidding. He's just being a faithful brother. I'm tripping. So, all right. 
So check this out. Let me give you an example of that. I am just amazed. I mean, you guys know this. This is our lives, right? We as people, I mean, you have kids, and man, you just see it all over. You see it like crazy. Your kids think they know more than you, even at four. It's hilarious. We'll be building something, you know, and I'll be trying to help them. Like, we're going to build this airplane, buddy. And I know how to do it, Daddy. And the thing will be looking like this, you know, when they get done. And I'm like, and I'm like well, you know, wings on here, brother. It's no, you know, and they'll think, they'll think they did something. Um, all the time. I mean, in fact, I remember uh, the other day we had these oranges, these little oranges. And Lauren, uh, you know, we, we, after dinner we give them fruit. And then we're, we're like, so you want some oranges? You want some oranges? Okay. So I bring the fruit in. And just because of how kids are, they always want the one that you don't want to give them. Right? So I'm, I'm peeling the one orange. And the reason why I'm not peeling this other orange is because I felt it. And it was super hard, like ridiculously hard where I knew I had to throw it away. It was a spoil or something that happened to it where there was absolutely no juice in the orange. So instead of giving her that one, I'm peeling the other one. Well, she sees that she's not getting that one. So she starts, well, I want the other orange, Daddy. And I'm going, no, you don't. You don't trust me. You don't want this other orange. You want the orange that has juice in it, you know. And if she is, she's about to start crying just because she thinks she knows what's best for her. Here I am with all the information. I felt the oranges. I'm peeling it. The other one has juice running down my arm. And yet... She wants the stale orange, right? But isn't, isn't that us with the Lord? Isn't, isn't, that, isn't that the description of the fall? Isn't that the description of what's going on right now? Like, isn't that really what's going on? I mean, you think about it. They talk about, you know, the theologian would say, so why is the, why is the tree of good and evil and the tree of, 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 of life right in the middle? Have you thought about that? What, what's up with the location? Was that intentional? I would propose, yes, it was intentional. I propose it's a typology of almost the, re, the retelling of our lives. That here's Adam, and he's walking, and Adam and Eve, and they're walking, and guess what, guess what they can see every day? They can see the tree of good and evil, and they can see the tree of life. Right? They can, they can choose, they can choose to obey God, or choose to say, no, I'm not going to obey the Lord. It's, I wonder, I wonder, is that just typological of the missional life that we're all called to live, where he says, you can choose life. I'm telling you what, I'm telling you what's good for you, or you can choose death. And that most, if not, I mean, you think of your life, that most of our drama, most of our drama, if we're really honest, is self-induced. We did it. We caused all the drama. If we're really honest, you look at your life, look at your circumstances, Usually, if not all the time, it's our stuff. God is saying, what are you going to choose? Are you going to choose life or death? I'm telling you, it's, I can give you example after example of my kids where I'll say, buddy, don't do that. That's going to be horrible for you. No, I want to do this. I want to do this. And boom. Ah! You know, and you're like, I told you, buddy. <laughs> right? Over and over again. I mean, if you're a parent, it's, this is just inevitable. Well, here's an example. So basically, it was such a God moment, all right? So we're, we're on the zip line. The boy's on the zip line, and there's a tree. I'm just going to paint a picture for you. And I, it seems so indicative of our life. There's a tree, and they can, uh, if, you, if, you, if you're really straight, it looks like you're going to hit the tree, but you're not, okay? And so I'm like, Joe, look, man, I know it looks like you're going to hit this tree, but if you just hold straight, you will not hit the tree, Okay? Well, let me, give you, let me show you, show you what, what Joe did. Can you put it on, buddy? So you see the tree right there? So, so those are bricks. Those are bricks. He was this close to bashing his head on a brick. It looked like he hit the brick, right? But actually hit right in front of it. He, he got scared, right? Even though I told him. I said, son, I'm not going to let anything happen to you. In fact, if you notice, I got near the tree just in case if I was wrong, he would bounce off me. Just in case. So I had, in, a, in my mind, doubly made sure that my son would be okay. Whether by my, my, my thought process or even if I'm tripping, I can say I'm still going to save you. Right? But he saw that all he could see was a tree. And as he got closer to that tree, he's like, Dad, I heard you, bro, but this tree getting kind of close. I think I won't... <laughs> I'm going to count my losses right now, ah, right? And he falls. Okay, that's what he did. You see him, poor guy, 
right? Well, so now I say, buddy, let's do it again. So, we, you know, we, we had to get, give him some time to forget about what happened. You know, he was in, and so we do it again. Can I show you, show you the next time? So the next time we do it, see that? Now, you notice, I didn't even touch him. I just, I made sure, but then I stepped away. You notice that? So in essence, the, he never hit the tree, and he held on. Exact same situation. The only difference was the trust. Isn't that interesting? That was a couple years ago. And I thought to myself, I'm like, man, I'm so glad we got that on tape because I think that's so indicative of my life. God is saying, what will you choose? Let's continue on, fam. We talked about that. I propose that one of the biggest reasons why he um, puts the tree in the middle is because of dignity. God is he's conv- he, he is committed to making us understand that I value you. I value you enough not to make you robots, but I want you to know that here's what here's, this is all yours. And I'm going to give you freedom to choose. I'm not going to hide it. See, that's the, that's the beauty of grace. And that's why, we, that's why we despise legalism, right? As Christians, and you should be, especially in this body, we despise legalism because when you, when you, what we do is we say, okay, I, I, know the, I know what God has called me to, but if we let them do that and be that free, then they'll do this. So I'll put parameters around it. I'll be God. And it seems what God says is like, no, what I do, and I think the best thing for us even as parents, he says, I give you, I give you, I give you rules that says do everything that's free and don't sin. You're, you're free to do anything but sin. Under the umbrella of holiness, pursue holiness and enjoy, enjoy life. Right? So I propose that one of the main reasons is God saying, I'm not going to hide the trees and say, then what, where's the worship there? The worship is when I see the tree and I choose not to eat of it because I love my Jesus. Right? So... He continues on in verse 10 through 14. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. Um, it says, from there it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is the Pishon. It, went, it winds through the entire land of the Hevelah uh, where there is gold. Uh, the gold of that land is good. Uh, I heard a guy say on, on, on a talk once that it's interesting he would call it gold there good as if there's bad gold. Like you had bad gold there, but at the Pishon it was good gold. I thought that was funny. Uh, that's just me, I guess. Uh, so you have, um, you have um, the gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx um, were also there. Uh, the name of the second river is the Gihon. Uh, it winds through the entire land of Cush. Uh, the name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the side of the Asher. And the fourth uh, river is the Euphrates. All right, now, I want you guys to give me a little more time. I'm letting you know right now I'm going to go about five minutes over because I'm going to share some things real quick, okay? Can you guys give me the grace there? All right, look at this. Like you'll say no, and you know, don't play me. All right. Um, so you notice this. What he does here, he's just basically again painting this picture of this beautiful place. Uh, people say, well, you know, a lot of times cats are trying to find this. Well, where's this place? Where's this Garden of Eden? I again am on the deep conviction that this is a place that is also a sphere, a sphere of uh, being. In that, in that, and I was I, pr- I propose that because Jesus says, you know, I'm going to prepare a place for you uh, in paradise. You know, you'll be in paradise with me. This is paradise. I'm assuming that it's that sphere place that Jesus is now uh, with the king. It's that place that we will be uh, when we die until God recreates the heaven and earth where we can be with him forever. Um, So don't go looking for this place. Um, It says verse 15. Again, I think the goal, the goal there is beauty. The goal there is to see how everything was in order. The Lord God took the man and put him in a garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, right? No, no, he commanded the man. Theology of work. What is the theology of work, family? And that is work is good. Okay? God has called us to work, right? So now everybody who wants to be lazy, now you know it's sinful. Um, God has, now, now, now work is cursed, Okay, because of the fall, there's stuff that happens to work, which we'll talk about next week. But work in itself is good. God called the man to work the garden before the fall. Right, family? Um, It is good. Be weary of idle lives. I'm convinced, especially for men, I'm convinced of this. See, you know why why I like to be busy? You know, because I don't, when I'm so busy, I don't have time to sin. 
So you people see me running around, they think Eric is so busy, I'm like, praise the Lord, right? Because I'm a goofball, and you guys, you guys have thoughts like me. You, you guys, you guys, you know, I mean, you just think you're going to sit around, be idle twiddling your thumbs, and be sexually pure, and not struggle with sexual sin, or cheating on someone, and all this stuff. And you're being idle, and I'm telling you, I propose one of the main reasons that Jesus wants, doesn't like idleness, and even says in First Thessalonians, um, I'm sorry, I think it's um, Second Thessalonians, that a man who doesn't um, work doesn't eat. Is because, dude, when you're idle, he even says to women uh, in, in, the, in the pastoral epistles, you're, li- you're idle, and because of that, you're a gossiper and you're a busybody. And he, he, he couples like idleness. You ain't got nothing to do, so now you're just talking about people. Right? Shut up and get to work. Right? That's what the Bible says. So there's something that's very interesting about idleness being, I would just, just be very weary of idleness. If you just always just want to hang out, never remember this. God created the Sabbath, right? He didn't say your life was a Sabbath, right? He said six days of work, one day of Sabbath. So that means you need to, if you want to do the multiples, any way you want to do it, if you're an accountant, just look and say, okay, seven days, that means I should be, I should be working six times more than I rest. This, you know, that helps us, right, family? I'm telling you, man, for the homies, if you sit around being lazy, that's why you find yourself on the Internet and doing pornography and you find yourself doing stupid stuff. You've got too much time on your hands. Go share your faith. Um, oh, I already said that. So, uh, so let's continue to go on if there's any questions. So in verse 16, 17, so... Theology of work, work is good, and God shows that. He says, I've given you this responsibility. That's the beauty of, of our missional lives now. It's a beautiful thing. He said, I've given you the responsibility to work now, and what does it look like? Subdue the earth. You know, be my people um, for God's glory. It continues on in verse 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. We just talked about that. For The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Um, I will make a helper suitable for him. So we already talked about the issue of, 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 of dying in life. So I'm going to go ahead and go past this. Um, the, the question we've got to ask ourselves moment by moment when you leave here, Monday is, will I choose life or death? Um, and don't blame the Lord, you know, if you choose death. Yes. Well, he said you can eat from any tree. Yes. Yes. Which is cool you say that. You know what's cool about that? Is we always say that, you know, even as you walk with the Lord, you know, people always talk about, man, like, you know, my kids, I can't do this, I can't do that. I'm like, well, look at all the other things you can do. Right? We always talk about the tree you can't. That's not what you're doing, but we can talk about the tree you can't eat from. He's like, you can eat from any tree. But this one, and we trip, right? So that's good, yeah. Um, I thought something in the hand. How important is the role of obedience to God? Now, a reason why I put this here, guys, is because um, he just gives a command from the beginning, and I say this because we, we as Christians got to be careful, family, we can get caught up again in, in just the supernatural and spiritual gifts. It seems to me from day one, you know what God's concerned about? Obedience. I propose when you read the scriptures, one of the huge themes in scriptures, God says, he tells, he tells Saul, I don't care that you gave me some lambs. I don't care about you sacrificing animals to me. He says, I desire obedience, not sacrifice. Don't give me stuff. Well, Lord, I'm speaking in tongues and I'm helling people and I'm doing all this stuff. No, you're cheating on your wife. God desires obedience. I tell people, the Bible is clear. You are spiritual when you are obeying the Lord. When you're obeying Jesus, that's when you're a spiritual Christian. I don't care how many demons you cast out if you're not obeying Jesus. You know, we had, man, remember these people, we had uh, some couples in Africa doing all this spiritual stuff, but man, they would just, just prostitute the scriptures. And I would say, yeah, you, you're doing all this stuff, but every day you're faithfully misinterpreting the scriptures. Like, what is that about? Obedience seems to be most important in God's economy, family. And you obey God, you get life. Wrestle with that. Check me on that. You know, fact check me. See if the scriptures are true on that. I could be crazy. Read the Bible. See what God says about how he views obedience versus all this other stuff we put our stocking in. 
I play this. I do that. Really? Do you obey, dude? Gifts are dime a dozen, man. Don't get don't 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 be excited about anybody's gifts. Ain't nothing. Obedience. Um, the Lord God said, "It is not good for a man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him." Oh my goodness. Um. All right. So praise him, right? All right. I'm gonna get in trouble here. I'm gonna get in trouble. So. <laughs> all right. Here we go. So let's check this out, guys. Let me just read this through. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground. Um, all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air, he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was his name. We name things because it shows what family? Remember, dominion, right? You name things that you care about, that you love, and that you are stewards over. Um, so the man, just as God named us, we get to name um, other creation. So the man gave names to all the living stock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So he named a giraffe. He's looking at all these things. He's like, man, this ain't getting it. You know, what's up? Give me a honey. So, uh, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Um, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Um, let me just, let me just, and brought her to the man. Let me just pause here, uh, walk through some things real quick. Uh, notice something. Everything is declared good up to this point. You ever notice that? This is the, no. Hey, you said it. No, here's the thing. So, notice, not the rival women, that... <laughs> Hey, that wasn't me, y'all. That was John Jacobson. J-A. So, uh, so, so the, everything was declared good. Notice that everything was declared good up to this point, which I think is very interesting. So this is the first time where God says, you know what, I don't like this. I don't like. So, so now, what, now here, here's what we get, we get kind of, I'm, I'm going to get in trouble here. I'm just processing. So you guys can even raise your hand and dog me out. I'm proposing that the Bible is teaching that for the most part, look <laughs> y'all, y'all, like, what are you about to talk about? No, see, y'all, y'all, y'all kind of thugging. Look, I'm just saying, for the most part, that the Bible is teaching that most men should probably find a wife. Look at that. Everybody want to leave the church. Y'all done. Got hair, got new gems. Go, hold up. What you? I know. I knew that was going to come. So why does Paul put singleness so hard? So, so before the fall, okay, there was no there was no reason to be missional in this way that Paul has it right. Because the reason why he pushes singleness all throughout the scriptures is because there's a oneness that you can have when you're by yourself that you can just be super crazy and do whatever you want to do for Jesus and not have to have your 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 devotion divided by your bride and your kids. Okay, so that's why Paul pushes it. But let me let me just continue on. So let me just make my point. Okay, Um, so the reason why reason I say this, you know, in Proverbs, it talks about a man who finds a wife finds a good thing. Um, um, My my, my point is that it seems like he the Bible is saying, again, this is those this is one of those interpretations, implication issues. Okay, I'm just saying that God that God said that man shouldn't be alone. And then his remedy for that was for him to have a bride. Now, first, we, I think we all have to agree on that first before we argue about the other stuff. Can we agree on that? <laughs> all right. All right. So, so now, here, now here, here's what happens in Corinthians. Now, again, don't leave the church. This is not salvific, huh? I'm saying, I'm saying most men, let me give you some, let me give you some scriptures. Um, If you ain't saying most men, I'm gonna beat you up. All right, so uh, <laughs> all right, so uh, look, <laughs> um, where am I at, man? You guys are crazy. So, um, so Proverbs 18:22. Write these addresses down. Proverbs 18:22. Proverbs 27:14. Here's where I'm going. Um, is my point? My point in that is this: is that when you think of the reason why Paul, a lot of times, even in scriptures, uh, what he does in Corinthians is he talks about, hey, 
I would love for you to be single, but many of you guys can't handle this, uh, so why don't you get a wife because maybe because of your sexual desires, uh, you need to get a wife. So I'd rather have you married versus to burn. Jesus himself, when, they talk, when he's talking about um, divorce in the scriptures in Matthew, uh, they question him because Jesus says, listen, um, except for marital unfaithfulness, if you could, they would just give divorce tickets out of, out of weird reasons. And he's like, except for marital unfaithfulness, you should not be divorcing your bride. They get mad. They say, well, then why should I even get married? He says, well, hey, look, if this is hard for you to hear, that's cool. Some people are eunuchs by choice. People who emasculate themselves, they cut, they cut their, uh, their private parts for the devotion of Jesus. Um, some people um, uh, so do it as a gift, right? And, it's something, and he, says, he says, if you have that gift, this is, read the scriptures, he says, then praise the Lord. If you have the gift of being able to go and not have to worry about being, and excuse my, I can't think of another word, horny or, or, uh, or really desiring of the sexual prowess, then then uh, if, you, if you have that gift, praise the Lord. But if you don't, you probably should find you a bride. There's other reasons I give, but it seems one of the main ones is because he's saying that man uh, shouldn't be alone. I propose also because of this issue of that God uses women to sanctify us, which I would say that marriage is more about sanctification than ecstasy. Um, so I propose that one of the main reasons God does this is because it continues to round out that sanctification process that happens um, when you have um, someone you're married to. So. I agree. Mm-hmm. Right, 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 right. Right, right, right. Right, right. Yeah. Man. All right, guys, so I have to close off. It's a lot of good stuff in here, and I haven't even been able to, to really research. I haven't been able to share with you. Um, okay, so... So what we'll do, unbelievable. I had to open these can of worms, and now i got to close off, man. Here's what we're going to do, family. Um, we're going to go through Genesis. Here's, here's, a, here's a timeline. We're going to go through, if you don't mind, we're going to go through Genesis 3 next week. Then we're going to, um, uh, how are we going to do this? Then I, I'm trying to figure out, do we come back? Because I want, I want to, well, how about this? I want you guys to just read, I want you guys to wrestle. Ask yourself, so, like, like, why is that, like, how, am I clearly looking at the text, and then why can't we first agree on, on the observation piece? Like, because we think, we think what we're doing is we build a little on people who are single, which I don't think is the case. I actually think we're making ourselves have to wrestle. What, I think what we're wrestling with is a couple things, and then I'm going to close off. And that is first, in our American society or Western society, what we do, what man should be doing, I propose, is, you know, Jesus, I mean, the Lord has Adam. He says, here's your honey. And he didn't go, hey, um, I like brunettes, you know. He said, this is my boo, right? I propose that because we have, I propose that we as man have not done this mandate well, so now it's sort of skewed where we can't even believe that we're supposed to have a wife. I propose that. Why? Because I propose that we look and we want to find, I'm just keeping it real, we want to find like this, this perfect girl who doesn't exist. And we won't, we won't look at the girl who's right in our face, who deeply loves Jesus, and grab arms with her and do life for God's glory. Uh, but we sit there and we want the porno star who has a missional heart, who has soccer mom tendencies. You know what I'm saying? That's what we want. Right? That's what we want. Right? Well, the super godly porno star. And God goes, you know, you know, that's what we want. And so then we go, well, dang, I'm 35. Why I'm not married yet? Right? And then we got all these godly women sitting around in this room going, what's wrong with me? Ain't nothing wrong with you. Something wrong with us. We look at women and we don't go, I'm about God's business. Girl, you love Jesus? Let's roll. Right? I'm not saying you need to have sex with a paper bag over her face. I'm not saying none of that. Hear me. Hear my heart now. I'm saying the Lord is saying I created man and woman for a reason. For them to fall in love with me together 
for her to help him. Help him do what? Help him love Jesus. The more he loves Jesus, the more he's going to love you. It's all about Jesus. When we first got here, I had a lady come to this body and say, you know what? I got to break up with my husband. Why? Because I don't want to have sex with him anymore. She divorces her husband because she didn't want to have sex with him anymore. And we think, I kind of get that. No, I'm biblical. Guess what? You married him, figure it out. Now, you know what God wants to do there? He wants to build sanctification there. He wants to show you how to love somebody sacrificially. You married a bomb, she gets in a car accident, she can't have sex, she can't move, what you going to do? You're supposed to love her to the day she dies. So I'm saying, guys, I'm proposing that Genesis is saying marriage is warped today, but it was beautiful then. It was about the woman and the man being on mission for Jesus primarily. Period. Not about the perfect girl that could be your trophy when you're walking down the aisle who has big breasts and nice booty and all this stuff. Now, I'm not saying you're going, again, I'm just saying, ask the Lord, what are you doing? So many guys that I counsel, so many guys, family, hear my heart, so many guys I counsel are saying they've been with this girl and they've dated this girl and they're still not married or connected because they're waiting for Miss Perfect. I'm not, de- I'm not demoralizing love or passion. I'm saying I think we're kind of skewed. I think we're kind of skewed. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I know we weren't able to get into all the theology of this, but Lord, I pray that our family, holy God, would you allow us to take just what we've just shared, go to your word and wrestle with it. So what is God saying here? What's God's mission? Um, Lord, allow us not to feel um, pressure or guilt. Lord, allow us to feel freedom. Uh, we as men, Lord, would you allow us to repent of our sin, of, 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 of wanting to use women for our own insecurities? Would you, would you allow us to repent of, 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 of passing by these awesome godly women because of these, these super shallow reasons? Lord, would you allow us to have the freedom to find a girl that we are attracted to and that we are excited about? Because your Bible does say suitable, a helper suitable, who can fit with you like a glove. We pray for that, Jesus. Uh, But we pray we would do it with your perspective. We love you. And we do all of this for you. In Jesus' name, amen.